0: A youth pastor in South Carolina is placed on leave after he handed out stickers with the statement, I love hot youth pastors, to his youth group students, as we take a look at youth groups as a whole and whether or not they are a ministry that we should be involved in. And we take a look at a common fallacious method of argumentation waged against ministries who have a specific focus and we show how it isn't logical or biblical to use them. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we want to look at a recent story and really allow that story to be somewhat of a microcosm of what goes on at so many different youth groups around the country here in the United States. And as we do that, we want to look at whether or not this is something we should even be involved in when it comes to the different fellowships that we're involved with. And when it comes to youth groups, whether or not we want to really be involved with them. Because, one, are they scriptural? Two, are they beneficial to the body of Christ? And three, can they simply be very dangerous for our young people to go to? Because we are seeing a lot of young people, when they leave the youth group and go off into college, a lot of them are no longer in the faith. A lot of them are doing the deconstruction route, as they say. And this specific event that we're going to bring up that took place in South Carolina is one that really does showcase some of the silliness that happens in youth groups. A 35-year-old youth pastor at a South Carolina church has been placed on administrative leave after reportedly giving out stickers to students that read, I Heart, which love, Hot Youth Pastors. The stickers caught attention online after they appeared in a social media post from someone who claimed their 14-year-old sister had received the sticker from the pastor. The post goes as such, Any moms have a teenager who goes to, and it's retracted, church in Greer? The youth pastor gave my younger sister, 14 years old, and other students this sticker during midweek last night. He is 35 years old. This made her very uncomfortable. In a follow-up post, another person on social media claimed to show an email exchange between Wall and some of the expressing concerns about stickers being distributed at midweek. Quote, we're updating our church-wide database and I encourage kids to come see me to get a sticker and update their information, reads the email reportedly from Wall. Quote, the sticker was meant to poke fun of the I love hot mom culture in hindsight, the joke was a very poor taste and a mistake on my part. I do apologize for their distribution For those who have been following Good Fight ministries for a number of years, you probably know that I've been involved in the youth group here at our church, helping to lead it um just under a decade actually for just under a decade, I believe. And I have been able and to been blessed to see a ton of really great fruit. I also have never handed out a sticker saying, <laughs> I, "I heart my hot youth pastor because, yes, that is really creepy. And this is something that I've been bothered by in, I mean, going to Christian concerts over the years or hearing people preach that there is this really weird thing that sometimes people think they need to do while sharing to sound really cool or whatever, where they talk about how hot their wife is or how hot this person is, when really, guys, that's kind of sick. It's really creepy for you to sit up there and basically talking about lusting over your wife or whatever it may be in front of people. There is nothing wrong with saying that your wife is beautiful or that if you're, if you're a wife, that your husband is handsome or whatever it may be and there's nothing wrong and we should look at them and, and love them and see beauty in them. But nonetheless, it is very awkward to see these sorts of things and this kind of behavior is really creepy. I mean, why would anyone want that to be just plastered up on maybe a water bottle or something of their youth group member? I, I just don't understand how, how this went through the process, how this youth pastor, so to speak, went through the process of designing this, or if he did, having them printed, grabbing them, and then handing them out to the students. It's actually ridiculous. But I would say that from my own knowledge, and I used to meet right here in Simi Valley with a number of the local youth pastors We used to meet and talk doctrine and share the gospel with people walking by, and we would also have students from the local Bible college there with us, and it was kind of a form of discipleship. But what's interesting is, while I've learned a lot from some of those brothers in Christ who were really faithful in sharing with their students, I also found things that really got in the way of the gospel. And I'm saying this not only as someone who has taught in a youth group, but also as someone who went to youth groups as a wolf, who went there simply to go pick up girls when I was in junior high school. And to the truth be told, when I was attending those events in the largest churches in our city here in Simi Valley, a lot of the focus was on the skate park out front of the church, was on the music that was played and some of the bands. And one of the artists, actually, when I went was from Lincoln Park. Uh, They were not so uh, much of a Christian band, but he tried to share his testimony at the local church as well. And we would go to different events when POD would come out with an album. As a middle schooler, I would be there with my buddies, rollerblading or skateboarding, and basically just there to meet girls. And what was interesting was, I can tell you right now, I don't ever remember A single time, and I don't even know how many times I went. It was quite a few times. I don't remember a single time where the gospel was clearly shared with me and I understood the gospel whatsoever. Now, you could point out that your heart was not in the right place, and that is absolutely right. I was not looking to find Jesus at that time, and that's true. But I can remember vividly the different skate parks we went to, the different houses that we went to, the different places that we swam in pools, all of those things, and I cannot remember a single time someone expressing the truth of the gospel. And I am one of hundreds of kids that were there. And so when I began teaching and sharing with the youth, immediately I remember, and because with all of us, we're going to have experiences that then are portrayed outward. And you say, well, I want to that not to happen to someone. I don't want people to see hypocrisy in the church because I saw it and became an atheist because of it, not because of youth groups, but because of going to a church in which the people all around me at that specific morning were at my house the night before getting drunk with me. And so I really, really, really preach hard as much as I can against hypocrisy, against People claiming to be believers and thinking it's okay to live a life like a devil for six days a week and then show up to church. So I'm going to preach hard against that. In the same way, I did not want, when I was teaching the youth group here at the church, to have people coming and not hearing the gospel, not hearing from the word of God, and just hearing maxims and sayings and different things. That's not something that I wanted to be a part of what is the youth group. I also have spoken at multiple churches, one of which that had me come on a Sunday morning, and I thought I was sharing to the congregation because, of course, high schoolers are going to be with their parents. They're old enough to understand the gospel messages given out by the pastor. But no, I was speaking specifically to a youth group on a Sunday where they don't partake in communion. They're not with their fellowship. And I said, wow, I would never want that. And it's really interesting when you think about it because the parents are the ultimate disciples of the children. Ultimately, that's where they're going to see the most. And whether you like it or not, you're a letter written on the heart of your child. And the way that you act is going to be just as important than to what you share with them regarding the gospel. And the Bible says in the Shema of Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 6— it says that the Lord our God is one and that we should teach that to our children, not just simply in a morning setting when we woke up and we're doing a devotional, but when we're walking by the way, that you your life is a gospel presentation to others and to your children and that you are going to share that truth with other people and you're going to minister to your family and share the gospel truth and the scriptures over and over to them so that they can grow. And so ultimately, that's the first ministry. Now, when it comes to Bible studies and so forth, and that's typically what we use the youth group for, we would never on a Sunday try to separate the fellowship and keep high school kids away from their parents on a a reflection of the communion or a presentation of the communion service where we reflect on what Jesus did on the cross and take that away from them so that they can play games or something, that's a danger. When the focus is on things that aren't the gospel, that's a danger. I've seen also with youth pastors where their entire job, they think, is to sit at a coffee shop all day and just take appointment after appointment where they ask the same questions to different people, and they come and they talk to them about whatever they're doing in life. It's not that they're actually deeply involved in that life, but they're simply doing their nine-to-five. And the truth is, and I can say this and attest to this because the people around me that are now older who were in the youth group and so forth that have graduated and are now a part of the fellowship, those are now some of my closest friends because that's who I discipled and now they are grown in the faith and they have their own ministries that they are doing. But that wasn't because I gave messages on Wednesday and it wasn't because I separated the, the flock of youth group on Sunday to be away from their parents, and we played a lot of games and threw all these parties and so forth, but it's because I deeply invested in their life. If they had something going on in their life, whether it was counseling they needed or simply something that they were doing, playing a football game, a basketball game, a volleyball game, that that not only myself, but my wife and others, we went to those things because we wanted to know We wanted them to know we have invested our lives in yours. We want to see and make sure you are following Jesus Christ. We have traveled all over this country to go and see people that we love and that are following the Lord or maybe even ones that are struggling. And showing that deep investment in someone is a ministry I think we can involve ourselves in. But I also want to talk about some of the dangers since we're talking about this on this episode. One of the dangers that I heard from a local pastor here is that if you interviewed the pastor and the youth pastor regarding certain doctrines, is the fact that they would probably have a difference of opinion on a lot of the doctrines. And typically, and this is very heartbreaking, the youth pastor is not only trying to usurp the head pastor, that actually is a typical thing that happens, but they also even tell the differences and so forth doctrinally or wherever they stand that they have with the the lead the guy leading the pastor the eldership in the church and really a lot of times people are using it as a stepping stone to the next thing and it's heartbreaking that that's the case and that there is this infighting rather than I believe my job is is to on these Wednesday nights that we meet is to share with them the truth of the gospel, share with them an understanding of how to read the Bible, so that when they grow up and they go to fellowship right next to me, sitting right next to me every you know Wednesday or, or Sunday and so forth, in the fellowship, they are ready to receive the word that is being engrafted to them on the Sunday message, on the first day, uh, on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week. And so these things are really, really important. One other thing that we've done as a youth and teaching the youth is my wife and I are very, very careful. First of all, we'd never hand out stickers like this. But second of all, when it comes to the male-female dynamic, it's something you need to recognize as a man of God and as a woman of God, especially for men who are married and younger men who end up teaching some of the youth. They have to be very, very careful when it comes to this. And so we have always had the strict um, you know, guidelines in terms of interacting with those of the opposite sex. I think these are very, very good guidelines to have. And so we want to make sure we are keeping those guidelines to keep from falling. There is no reason that you should put yourself in harm's way or for something to be taken out of context And so if you safeguard yourself in the right way, my wife communicates with the girls in the youth group, I typically communicate with all of the men in the youth group, and that is simply what we've always done to safeguard ourselves from falling into some danger, whether it be by way of simply word, somebody saying something, or by actual deed that many have fallen into, sadly enough. So these things are really, really important, And yes, there are proper ways that you can grow young people in the faith and invest in their life to see them not deconstruct, to see them not go down the road of deconstruction, but really give them a chance when it comes to all the things they are going to battle and give them specific messages that will deal apologetically with some issues that may arise. And I wanted to talk about something, something that comes up quite often, really, when it comes to not only Good Fight Ministries, but I see this said about other ministries as well. And so I wanted to talk about this fallacious method of argumentation, something that is used over and over again and is actually specifically addressed in the Scriptures. But before I do, and it brings me up, uh, it brings me to a very, very, I guess you would say, Timely um, thing that we are starting here, not only on Five Love News, but on Good Fight. We want to feature some of our uh, productions that we do have. You see, we have an entire production team here that puts together these shows that you're watching right now. But while we are doing that, in fact, literally while we are doing that right here, right now, we have another editor working on a production for films that we work on. So we want to feature some of those and remind you of them because, guys, these are such good tools for the gospel. As many of you know that Chad Davidson, myself, I came to the Lord after I watched a DVD made by Good Fight Ministries. They sold their souls for rock and roll on January nineteenth, two 2009. I gave my life to Christ. So I know full well just how important of a tool that some of these videos can be if you get them into the hands of those who need to hear the message. And when it comes to this week, we want to feature a product that we just got. I'm not exaggerating, like, we just got these in the mail, and that is the DVD version of part two of Marvel and DC's War on God. This one is Doctor Strange, Alester Crowley, and the Multiverse of Satanism. We want to feature this product because, one, now we have it on DVD, so you're able to hand this out. But we also have different methods for you to grab this. You can grab this. Anything you see on here, you can get on goodfight.org. But specifically, the seven-part Marvel series that we're working on, you can go to marveldcexposed.com and you can check that out. You can also see a ton of clips that we keep posting right here on this YouTube channel regarding this very video as well as the Antichrist agenda, which was part one of the series we've been working on. But guys, this thing is powerful. Out of the two videos, I'm just being honest with you, this one is my favorite of the two. It is amazing, and it is such a tool for sharing the gospel. I don't want you guys to miss out on that. If you can get this into people's hands that will watch it, that would be awesome. Not everyone has DVD players, but so you can get it on demand. But for those who do, it is a great, great tool for sharing the gospel. So try to get a bundle of them to hand out if you feel so led. With that said, one thing I wanted to bring up, because I've seen this for some reason more and more in some of the comments on our YouTube channel for people who don't understand the ministry of Good Fight Ministries. And something that I've seen over and over again, and even seen from those who I think should know better, in all honesty, is, well, why do you guys just keep exposing evil? Why is it that you, you use this channel to focus on the exposing of evil? Evil, rather than having more happy messages and so forth. And one, I I think that's a mischaracterization. But number two, it is a a fallacy, really, in the mind that gets expressed out in the comments. And the reason why I wanted to address it is because— the Bible says in Proverbs 18 that the first depletus case seems right until someone comes over and examines him. So we should be examining those things that are simply stated, especially if there's just one echoing voice online. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some weird stuff, people claiming that we are lizards. Uh, I've seen some weird stuff that while during a message exposing evil, that a hand sign came up, uh, especially with myself, uh, considering that. I've broken every one of my fingers wrestling. So I never know what kind of fingers are coming out and I just try not to do something weird. But nonetheless, it's a truth and it's a reality that people can get really weird online. So I want to, I don't want to just bypass that and say, yeah, no, that, that never happens. No, it absolutely does. And sometimes you can be very myopic in terms of what you're looking at, where you're only focusing on one thing and then you say that's all the problems that are going on. Now... When it comes to this and this specific issue, you are on Good Fight Ministries' YouTube channel. Good Fight Ministries is one ministry that we have here to what? Expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, one of the things we've always been careful to do is to try to make sure that every video we put out puts the gospel presentation in it in some way or the other, unless it's specifically about getting people to be edified or grow out of a false doctrine or so forth. So you can go on our channel and you can learn about Mormonism. You could learn uh, about Hinduism. We've talked about Hinduism. You can look at the warnings from yoga. You could look at Catholicism, which is a series we're working on right now. You could look at us how to share the gospel with Jehovah's Witness. You could see us warning the church about false teachers like Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland and Stephen Furtick and others. And so you can see us doing all these different things and still think, well, that's just exposing, that's myopic. And the reason is, is because when it comes to Good Fight Ministries, that's what this ministry is. That's the focus of this ministry, is to expose wickedness. Now, I can't just say that without pointing out that all of the employees at Good Fight Ministries, all of us that serve here at the ministry, also have other ministries that we do. And in fact, some people that I've heard make this claim even know that and still make this claim, which proves to be somewhat dishonest. And what's interesting is, as we've already talked about in this very episode, about youth ministries, but also, guys, I'm going to name everyone who works at Good Fight so you guys get a good idea of each and every one of us and know what kind of ministries we serve outside of the ministry just here at Good Fight Ministries. Now, a lot of you already know Pastor Joe is the pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. Most people know that already, but nonetheless, this is a ministry he does outside of that. He also teaches every Wednesday and every Sunday, and you can catch all of those sermons on the Blessed Hope Chapel YouTube channel. And he also does counseling, and guys, he is always, always busy doing ministry, but Good Fight Ministries is one aspect of what we do and as for the body of Christ. That's the goal here. Another person, Tony Palacio, works at the ministry here, does the editing and a number of things for the ministry. But guess what? Tony also works at the church full time and is the worship leader here at Blessed Hope Chapel because we have multiple ministries. Tommy Paneri, who's our newest employee and is an editor here at Good Fight Ministries. Also helps me to run the youth ministry here at Blessed Hope Chapel. And Josh Spidel, who does a a number of the editing, in fact, the very series we're talking about with Marvel and DC's War on God, he did the editing for much of that film as well. And guys, he helps out and plays on the worship team. He also helps out with the camera and so forth here at Blessed Hope Chapel in order to get messages all over the world to share the gospel with people. And so just so you know, not that this isn't a bragging format for us to brag about all the ministry that God has allowed us to do, but it's simply to point out that to say that all you guys do is this when this is only one part of all of our ministry, guys, it's not only ignorant. Uh, but for those who have knowledge and have even commented on some of our videos, guys, it's just wrong to to share something that's just not true when you know better. And I myself uh, am an elder, a teaching elder here at Blessed Hope Chapel, and as mentioned, helped to run the youth here as well. But nonetheless... I want to go into the argument and show the logical fallacy that it is, because it's a very common one, and it happens all the time. But one thing I love is that it's actually addressed directly in Scripture. That's my favorite part about this. But the fallacy goes as this, and it can come in a different ways. One way it's stated is, is why you're doing all this exposing when you could simply be sharing the gospel. Well, the problem is, is that we do share the gospel even in the exposing. Uh, the videos that you might find on there that don't have a gospel message in it are typically taken from excerpts from other videos that we have that present the gospel. And the whole point of making it is to edify the church, to get out of the wickedness that they're practicing or being involved with, or to simply share the gospel with the lost. But nonetheless, the another way this is stated is this is stated is, well, why are you exposing them when you can simply pray for them? Uh, the problem is, is that. When we, the problem with that argument is when we come together and do these episodes, we pray every single time. And one of the things we pray for every single time are the very people we are exposing. We actually, it's not crocodile tears, we're not, it's not fake sadness. We actually want those who are exposed to come to know Jesus Christ or to stop preaching false doctrine, whatever it may be. So that's our heart and that's our goal. And I want to give you the technical term Uh, it's an either or fallacy or false dilemma or false dichotomy. And by definition, it's a logical fallacy that presents only two options or sides when there are many options or sides. Essentially, a false dilemma presents a black and white kind of thinking when there are actually more shades of gray. Now, how is this addressed directly in Scripture? By none other than Paul himself, specifically dealing with different types of ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 4, Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit." To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, you were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. Now, guys, the next part, pay attention, because not only has he shown this for the unity of the faith that ultimately all of these things come from Christ himself, the gifts that you are given aren't even from you. You, have, you can't take any credit for them. They're from Christ himself for the unity of the body. And here's what it says in verse 14. For the body is not one part, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has arranged the parts, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But now there are many parts but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body, which we consider less honorable... On these we bestow greater honor, and our less presentable parts become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable parts have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that part which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same care for one another. And if one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If a part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. That should be our goal. We should rejoice in the other ministries. There are beautiful ministries and I've had to learn with being one of those people that wants to try to help out wherever I can. There are certain people that are going to do some beautiful things uh, making fresh water in countries that don't have it. There are certain people that are going to do beautiful things that are, are going down to the inner city and sharing the truth of the abortion epidemic and also showing women why not to kill their babies. There are plenty of of ministries that are doing radical things that I can't do. But sitting in front of this right now, sharing with you, I pray that you will see and be blessed and go forth and preach the gospel to every creature and then baptizing the name in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and discipling them and showing them the truth of the gospel. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available. Or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.